0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch Movement. They want to see Matthew 2414 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have a kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul.
1: Hey resiliency listeners, today Steve and I are talking with our guest Cindy who spent over 20 years in Indonesia. As we got into this interview, it became clear to us that we needed to devote two episodes of resiliency to it. In today's episode, Cindy will share her resiliency story of cultural belonging. In our next episode, Cindy's going to share some practical steps you can take to find belonging in the place that God has put you. So let's jump right into our interview with Cindy. So Cindy, why don't you share a little bit of who you are and where you've served, and then we'll just kind of jump in from there.
2: Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I appreciate your invitation and your warm welcome. Um, Thank you for considering me a sister. Thank you for allowing me to join the discussion. So my vantage point today in the discussion of resiliency is cross-cultural belonging. My husband Jamie and I recently relocated from Southeast Asia to Southern California, where we're mentoring and coaching people who cross cultures. We role model from a very rich experience of 26 years, dwelling in the same city and rearing our three children in a tightly knit neighborhood. I was so blessed. I feel compelled to specify the country of Indonesia because Indonesian hospitality made it a home for me. My resiliency over 26 years is the result of saying yes to the invitation to belong across cultures. Mm -hmm. And in this, the Lord has treated me very tenderly and Indonesian women themselves have loved me so well and helped me grow up. All my giving flows from my receiving. And so you'll understand uh, my gratitude today if you hear the emotion in my voice. (laughs) <laughs> While my memories are still fresh, it hasn't been that long that we left Indonesia, uh, I'm eager to share a few stories that I pray will inspire hope for a happy, fruitful, resilient life across cultures, wherever our listeners find themselves today. So that's where we'll start.
0: Wow, that's Can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait. Let's
2: go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My awareness of my need for belonging across cultures began in 1984 when I had just turned 22 years old. I'm 57 now, so all these years have passed, but the memory is so fresh. Jamie and I were newlyweds setting out to explore the land of our dreams where we hope to serve someday. And as the jumbo jet descended into the capital city of Jakarta at nighttime, dazzling city lights blurred when I, my eyes filled with tears of love, and I was feeling very romantic, and I remember saying, ah, oh, my adoptive country, I love you already. It was very dramatic for me. We went straight to our guest house and slept several hours and woke the next morning, and my my husband, Jamie, said, hey, we've been enjoying this Uh, comfortable environment, don't you think we should maybe leave this air-conditioned guest house and have a walk and really become acquainted with with the city? I thought, yeah, let's do it. I was so excited. But what I didn't know is that our pathway would take us a half mile along a sewage canal in the heat of the day, (laughs) and it was overwhelming. After we returned to our guest house for lunch, I just cried. And my, uh, that idealism was so easily deflated. I journaled a little bit. I took a nap. And that first bit of desperation and doubt quieted in my heart. The next morning, we passed through the turnstile at the, the main grand train station in Jakarta. And as I heard the gate click shut behind me, I had the sense that there was no turning back. Mm. And Something hit me. Uh Oh, I don't belong here. Mm. And the emotion surprised me. I remember, I was this young bride, radiant with belonging, I thought. And our honeymoon adventure had started so well. But even our love could not shield me from disorientation, and even from loneliness. Now that we would crossed cultures far from home. So there I was, if you can imagine, midday, sitting with Jamie on a hot metal bench, (laughs) waiting for our train. I was jet lagged and wilting in the tropical heat. And just when sadness seemed to be closing in, movement near me caught my attention. Two sweet Indonesian schoolgirls came smiling up to me. They looked straight into my eyes, that window of my vulnerability. And I think they must have decided I was worth the risk, (laughs) because their smiles held strong. And I heard in my heart language, may we practice English conversation with you, please? That was an invitation to connect. And in the moment I said yes, my loneliness was gone. Jamie says that in all these years, he never knew me to be homesick.
0: Wow. Mm. Yeah.
2: Well, when Jamie and I returned to Southeast Asia five years later, educated, well-supported, full of confidence and energy to serve, we lived first for a month of cultural bonding in the home of a local cousin family. We had arrived during fasting month, our hosts were very gracious, but they were sleepy, and so they weren't very talkative. And I did feel a little bit isolated. Our one-year-old was in jet lag. Her sleep was broken. That was devastating. <laughs> My husband got a fever that lasted 10 days. And, and why? Why, oh, why did I always feel hungry? <laughs> and I lived those first few weeks as if in slow motion, My ambitions quieted within me. My idealism was humbled a bit, even though I still had a really strong sense of calling. And I realized after all that maybe I wasn't the extraordinary woman prepared to give and give and give that I thought I was. Now I felt very ordinary. And there the precious lessons of love began. I dared to hope that my most common human needs would create a hundred connection points between me and the Indonesian women I hope to know. After our month of bonding, we moved into our first rental house. Jet lag had passed. I was feeling pretty good. I felt emotionally alert. I was starting to take some risks by getting out all by myself. I began language lessons with local tutors guided by a language acquisition approach that was called the LAMP method. Uh, With the LAMP method we memorized an acronym, GLUE, G-L-U-E, get what you need, learn what you get, use what you learn, then evaluate. So G-L-U-E, get, learn, use, evaluate. I pursued Indonesian language that would help me connect emotionally with the local women because that is what I needed. I confess I missed whole realms of vocabulary. So sometimes I couldn't participate in certain conversations about automobiles, business, government, things like that. But I did get what I most needed at the time, and that was the language of the heart, the language of life story, the vocabulary of pregnancy and childbirth and child rearing, uh, the language of women's activities and meetings, all the greetings that women give one another. I learned key words for topics that interested me, including the spiritual history of our neighborhood and the life cycle events that kept us gathering month after month. I learned the language of cooking and catering and the language of prayer, adoration, healing, deliverance. I was pregnant again with child number two now, and the pregnancy kept me close to home. But I was not isolated because my precious dear father kept sending local women to be my friends. At first, their motive was to practice their fledgling English, but when they discovered that i was ready to be a sister our times together became very precious they would come and we would recline on the carpet with our hands our head in our hands elbows on the floor like schoolgirls do and we talked about their relationships with their parents and siblings their love relationships and their hopes to be married someday and we discussed also their more entrepreneurial ideas and their dreams to be world changers. Oh, it was so rich. I couldn't imagine a better situation for my language learning because it was happening in the exchange of life story. And truly, it resulted in a strong relational basis for my resiliency.
0: Hmm. Cindy, it sounds like you are to something here in catering your language learning towards your need, towards your desire to know that particular demographic, you know, young, young women mm-hmm. there in Indonesia. I'm just curious, as your husband was learning, was that kind of a, a shared way that you guys did it? Do you find that it was a similar way that you guys went about belonging, you know, becoming ones who belonged to your community?
2: Mm-hmm. I think that the Lord provided to each of us a little bit differently he often would accompany a a colleague or a new local friend into the homes of other men, and they would have these discussions. My husband had a chance to share his life stories at a simple level, and he had a glimpse of friendships and discipling relationships that were to come. But my contacts came to me into my home or were right outside my front door that was my circle Mm -hmm. so it was a little bit different but we both highly valued and were ready for the exchange of of life story and a strong relational basis
0: yeah
2: yeah so in his mercy and i do refer to this sometimes with tears because i think the lord was so tender to do this for me he led me through simple authentic connections into this quality of life together with my closest neighbors many times at the close of a visit uh, when i would stand at the door or the front gate to say goodbye to my guests i really was moved to tears of satisfaction i didn't notice what happened to me i just felt so deeply satisfied and i remember it saying to my mom on the phone my life here Feels like a well-fit shoe. And I would pray, how sweet you are, Father, to handpick me for this very context where I find, at a deep human level, my joys and sorrows seem to match those of the people. I am well-suited to your purposes here and even to the place and the people. And I remember saying, Lord, I had thought you sent me to this faraway place for their sakes, but it seems you care about me too. Did you do this for me? Mm-hmm. I remember being full of wonder and praise, sort of like Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, <laughs> when this God-sized blessing miracle was unfolding that would bring Messiah to the world. Elizabeth experienced it as a personal mercy. Mm -hmm. And we read in chapter one, Luke chapter one, she exclaimed, The Lord has done this for me. Mm -hmm. And that is how I felt (laughs) in Indonesia. Uh, Now, a key verse for me is Psalm 35, verse 27. The Lord delights in the well being of his servants. So as my heart uh, welled with gratitude and I was learning so much, I, I grew more hopeful and more intentional. I realized that I needed local friends. I needed friends who lived close by. Women within an arm's reach who could help me settle and grow up. So I set out one day to see whom God had prepared to be like family to me in my new context. A woman to comfort me a sister to share life with a daughter to nurture a best friend to teach me what I needed to know and as my heart was changing and I was starting to humble and settle in that place it seemed to be that my women neighbors responded They saw something and they responded. They opened their hearts to me and they put the kettle on for tea and they began to draw me into what is normal in the community of Indonesian women. And as I learned from them, they trained my expectations without shaming me as a newcomer with all my weaknesses and presumptions they trained me by goodness these are cousin women not just jesus following women they trained me until i was trustworthy a godly woman among them and then after i had been a receiver for a good long time they invited me to give suddenly opportunities opened to me i joined a neighborhood women's service committee I became an advocate for poor school children and a comfort to their mothers as I prayed with them. I adopted the daily rhythms of my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Women friends slowed at my gate, and they called out, Cindy, Cindy, come with us to visit the sick, or to celebrate a wedding, to welcome newborn babies, or to sit quietly with the bereaved. When I was young. I could not have imagined the deep happiness that I found now in a life together filled with mutual love and honor and reciprocity. And I must confess this mutuality humbled me as a self-motivated, passionate leader who tended toward autonomy. Now I face this paradox. Could I still pioneer? Could I reach out? While I'm held so close in the arms of a neighborhood community, I was sent to reach out. Could I while I was held so close? As I matured in that relational context, I found that, yes, love is productive. In fact, it's lavishly fruitful. I could fulfill the tasks of my calling, not independently, but now as a belonger. I would love to give you a concrete example of that kind of relationship. May I go ahead and tell you the story?
1: Yeah, I think that would be a great one, because I love what what you seem to be honing in on on this. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. My most formative experience of this mutuality that was so shaping for me was in relationship to an Indonesian woman whom I call Mrs. Ray. Now, I had hired Mrs. Ray to help me in the kitchen on weekdays, Her presence was life-giving from the very first day. Soon she gave her heart to Jesus, and the life that passed between us, walking with Jesus together, was just extraordinary. I want to say that I am aware that my happy years in Indonesia started in the kitchen, where Mrs. Ray made me, the stranger, a sister, She made me, the foreigner, a friend. So Mrs. Ray was my most proximate, empowering relationship for over 26 years. That's why I'm introducing her to you. Some might think to call her my person of peace, but I have coined a new term for her and I call her my counterpart across cultures.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Because we had so much in common At the level of shared humanity, including stage of life and social role, she really was my counterpart. I want to interject um, to our friends who are listening, I pray that God will help you also identify your counterpart. Uh, Women for you, it might be a woman whom you'll hire to assist you in your home in the kitchen or with your kids. Or it may be a nearby vendor where you buy your vegetables, or men where you you might seek help to repair something in your home, or your language tutor, or it could be your next-door neighbor. But in any case, a counterpart across cultures is someone with whom you will experience a microcosm of your broader social life. And it's someone who's a safe place for all your learning and growing. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, Mrs.
2: Ray was that to me. She manifested goodness toward me in five powerful ways. She became for me in sequence as the years went on my mirror, my advocate, my life witness, my hostess, and my sponsor. And without telling you all the associated stories, I'll just summarize what these mean. Mrs. Ray mirrored to me my precious worth when I felt so vulnerable as a newcomer. She was my advocate when I was still learning. She was witness to the seasons of my development and transformation. She graciously continued to host my identity across cultures. She also was my sponsor. Years had passed and now I was thriving and bearing fruit. I could sense God's favor and blessing. Had the goodness between me and Mrs. Ray so multiplied between us, the between empowered the beyond. It was this marvelous fruit. I realized that this faithful person this faithful woman friend was not only hosting this beautiful life in Indonesia for me, but she was also the sponsor of my good name. And as such, she was the sponsor of my success. I do believe that belonging is a critical factor in resiliency. But there came a point when I wondered maybe belonging is optional some of my closest foreign friends moved on from our city and i wondered about me for how much longer would i root my life in this sweet microcosm of household and neighborhood i didn't desire to leave but i was growing up and my heart's concerns now embrace the broader world in a really wholesome and exciting way. Would I always need the empowering hospitality of my women's community? Yes, Mrs. Ray taught me that I would continue to need my closest women friends, like a branch needs the tree. I realized that over all these years, I had been groomed for community, not for independence. I let myself settle and find peace in this. Someday, friends who are listening, you might wonder too. When you've begun to make good progress and you feel like you finally have something to show for yourself at team meetings and in your letters home, (laughs) you may be tempted to feel that you are ready to graduate from the microcosm to the macro big world out there and catalyze the movements to Jesus that you dream of, but please hear me. The key to your progress in the macrocosm is your faithfulness within the microcosm where you are a recipient of belonging across cultures. Now a humble, grateful, respectful man or woman. The key to your progress in the macrocosm is your faithfulness within the microcosm. The last little vignette I want to share with you is the result of these lessons that I have sort of consolidated for you. And it happened just three years ago. I sat with Mrs. Ray in a circle of our faithful, precious Indonesian women friends who at that point were gathering regularly to share their joys and their sorrows and to pray for one another I was there to say a final goodbye after calling that city in Indonesia home for most of my adult life my chest was aching mm. my eyes burned on the verge of tears my whole face felt heavy I couldn't even smile which is unusual for me because I'm usually pretty cheerful I was in grief one of the women reached to me and she said we hope you realize, Cindy, that we don't think of you as a foreigner. You are one of us now. Belonging was their gift to me.
1: Cindy, that is so much, just so much to, to glean from your stories today. I can't wait to talk with you again about the, the practical side of this. Just want to thank you so much for not only for sharing that, but for being so thoughtful in how you communicated your stories, letting us into that little picture, that little window of your life in Indonesia.
2: Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to praise him by telling you the story of his provision for my resiliency.
0: We had another guest that we interviewed. The husband shared about getting your needs met through your local culture. So what part did other expatriates play in Mm -hmm. in your relational life there in in jakarta
2: my belonging to my most proximate local community enriched and actually freed my relationship with my expat friends colleagues who were sent as i was i think it made me more wholesome it made me more healthy in my expectations we were involved in many kinds of research and intercession forums. We were very involved with our international church. And the adventures of walking closely with local friends during the week and being transformed by it and seeing the wonderful gifts of the kingdom come to our neighborhood drew us to our gatherings with expats and colleagues with um, such a sense of hope that this is something we would experience together. So we actually found that this was impetus for collaboration, and it did not separate or isolate us from our other like culture communities. It's sort of like, you know how in our marriages, if a man has a healthy friendship with a guy friend and the woman has a girlfriend who's a healthy, wholesome friend, benefits from those healthy relationships reflect in the marriage. We become even better people from growing up in the broader social setting. So I think that's what happened for Jamie and me as well. Our local relationships made our our expat friendships even richer and, and more powerful in our collaboration.
0: I can't help but think, Cindy, that Our listeners, as well as me sitting here listening to you, have the question in their mind, what kind of believing community uh, resulted among that neighborhood?
2: We saw small, genuine, household and neighborhood-based communities form. We actually saw some multiplication. It was small but genuine, and it gave us so much joy. And um, we experienced amazing answers to prayer, including healings and the return of a stolen vehicle, and you know all these odd things that we don't even think to ask God for here here in the United States. But our our life was just so real, uh, so human in in fullness, and we were like the groups who gathered uh, gathered with Jesus and. I call it oh' it's this that the scenarios that we read in the Gospels, where the sick and the demonized and the poor uh, gathered around him and power went out from him to heal, we found ourselves in that group, very genuinely, humbly associating and receiving consolation from from the Lord, just as our neighbors began to. It was just so good to be lumped together. Honestly, it was so good. (laughs) Well,
0: Cindy, if our listeners only remembered one thing from today's time with you about what you learned about resiliency on the field, what would that be?
2: Refer to Psalm 3527, and here's my summary statement. God delights in the well-being of his servants. And to take it one sentence more to a sense of belonging is one of the tenderest gifts that he gives and confirms through our local, local community. He, he leads us through cords of human kindness and ties of love, we read in Hosea 11. This is how tender our Father is. Resiliency is, a, is the result of settling our hearts in the love of God and increasing in well-being right there in community as a member of our neighborhood or a circle of friends uh, in the places where we serve.
0: It's beautiful. Mm. Cindy, thank you so much. You have something as a result of the choices you made. The love that you have for Indonesia and Indonesia just oozes out of you. So I wonder as we close, if you can just pray a prayer of impartation and blessing upon our listeners.
2: Yes, of course. Thank you. Father, first let me say thank you. For delighting in the well-being of your servants you are not harsh you are tender you speak words of esteem you connect us with people not only whom we can serve but from whom we can receive in the most life-giving ways thank you thank you so much for this manifestation of your goodness Oh Lord Lord Jesus, thank you for being made like your brothers in every way. Thank you for experiencing sorrows and griefs and temptations yet without sin. You are just the one we need. You are the high priest we need. You are perfectly suited to us. And as you send us incarnationally, many of us in that way, to immerse ourselves in a local setting across cultures, we come with so much commonality at a human level. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you will empower us to stand among this new community and to receive belonging as it is offered us, to receive love as it is extended to us. And uh, Lord, I pray that um, you will unleash hope in my brothers and sisters listening today. Unleash hope for a happy life as they serve overseas. I just hope that the the word happiness will be reinstated in all of our discussions because happiness is so life-giving. Please would you do this, Lord. Increase wholeness as we root our hearts deeper and deeper in your love. Increase wholeness for a lifetime of wholesome service and faithful family engagement thank you lord bless my friends in jesus
1: name amen amen thank you so much cindy that was that was an amazing time just listening to your stories and and hearing what god's put on your heart thank you for sharing that with us
2: thank you thank you for inviting me to be with you
1: well friends that's it for this week's episode you've been listening to resiliency this episode has been produced by me silas west with help from my co-host steve finley We are so grateful for the generosity of our guests for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. We also want to give a big shout out to the band Honest Men, who wrote and performed the music in our intro and outro. Special thanks for the voice talent of Sarah Neely, who introduced us at the beginning of the episode. If you liked what you heard, encourage your friends to subscribe and tune in in two weeks from now for the next episode of Resiliency.